Uh, again, my name is Scott Moore. I'm the, uh, the president director of Lay Institute for Evangelism. It is a four-month lay evangelism school located 45 miles northwest of Orlando, Florida, where one of the two Mickey Mouse lives in the United States. So um, just to give you a little bit of bearing as to where life is, we're located on the church campus of the Lady Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is five minutes from one of the largest retirement communities in Florida called the Villages. And so we are really learning how to work with people that are very set in their ways. And so it's a good experience for us and for our students. Um, what we are going to do now is we are going to go over Jesus' method of studying Scripture. On the screen, you just see this title, right? The title is Jesus' Method. Bible study methods, there's actually five methods that we teach. The first is, so we have small, medium, and then we have extra large. That's all I've got there. Jesus' method of studying Scripture. How many of you knew that Jesus had a method of studying Scripture? You knew that Jesus had a particular method? Okay, maybe you, okay, one person did, and so that's why the rest of us are here, right? Because this is an intriguing title, and it caught our attention, and that's what we do as instructors is we give things creative titles so we can get you to stay in our classes. Not really. I think you're going to find this to be a very exciting study. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do again thank you that we could share this part of the time that you have put your presence in with each other. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the privilege of being able to be here and to spend time with you and your word and with each other. Bless us, Father, with not only intelligence, but a deeper relationship with Jesus. Amen. Open your Bibles to the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 24. This is the last chapter in the New Testament book of Luke. In the book of Luke chapter 24, there are two disciples that are walking on the road from Jerusalem to a city called... Emmaus, that's absolutely right. And these two disciples are walking in the daytime. And as they are walking, these two disciples are talking to each other about what has been happening in Jerusalem over the weekend. And all of a sudden, a third individual begins walking with these two men in broad daylight. Now, why the Bible doesn't say this was odd to them, I don't know. Why the Bible doesn't say they were a little shocked that some guy all of a sudden appeared and began to walk with them. I don't know these things. But for some reason, well, the Bible says that, that God held from their eyes who he was. Um, these disciples are walking along, and then a third individual begins walking with them. And what is that third individual's name? It was Jesus. You're absolutely right. So we are in Luke 24, verse 13 begins the walk to Emmaus. And now let's go to verse 18. No, verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, verse 17 of Luke 24, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? So were these disciples happy? Nope, these disciples were sad. And they're walking along. Jesus starts walking with them. And he says, what's going on, guys? What are you talking about? And one of them, verse 18, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass here in these days? And he said unto them, What things? Was Jesus intimately associated with what had just happened that week, that weekend? Absolutely. More so, hey brother, more so than the disciples were. And then they said, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be crucified, talking of Jesus of Nazareth, verse 19, so on and so forth. And then verse 25. Jesus speaks to them. We are in Luke 24, 25, talking about Jesus' method of studying Scripture. Luke 24, 25, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, Luke 24, 25, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? What does the word ought mean? Didn't he have to? I like the have to part. It makes it imperative. 
you ought to have cleaned your room, and since you didn't, you don't get ice cream with the rest of the family. Vegan ice cream with the rest of the family. I'm just trying to gauge my audience here. Some people like vegan ice cream. Some people turn their nose up at it. Uh, by the way, Life is doing a children's evangelistic meeting. We start it November the 1st. Two days ago, we went out with our Life van. We had installed a bullhorn underneath the hood. We played Mr. Softy music. And we gave away vegan ice creams with invitations to a kid's evangelistic meeting. What do you think about them bones? Oh, it was fun. Anyway, Jesus says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And notice what Jesus does next. Verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded or explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did they, what is your name? Samuel. Samuel. Very biblical. Samuel. Did these two disciples on the road to Emmaus and Jesus, did they have a Bible in their hand? No. They didn't. Why would Jesus begin at Moses? Because every boy in the first century Galilean culture, by the age of 10, had the first five books of the Bible memorized. 10 years old, first five books of the Bible memorized. Word for word, memorized. So beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he explained unto them the things concerning himself. Now, couldn't Jesus have just said, hey guys, let me shake your hand. Couldn't he have done that? Yeah, let me shake your hand. And then they would have felt what? They would have felt the scars. Two weeks ago, I baptized a young man named Matt. Matt's brother came to his um, uh, baptism, drove his motorcycle from Panama City all the way down to uh, Orlando, Florida, near Orlando, Florida. And when I shook his hand, his hand bent in a place that a hand doesn't normally bend. And so I knew immediately that something was wrong with Matt's brother's hand. These disciples could have shaken, shook the hand of Jesus and known exactly who it was. But Jesus didn't do that. Couldn't Jesus have said to these guys, hey, it's me, fellas. Ho, ho, hang on. You don't have to be sad anymore. Here I am. Woo. Couldn't he have done that? He could. How many of you ate too much for lunch today? Okay, maybe this is why the answering is coming so slow. Uh, we, could, we could do an exercise. We could, we could sing, lean forward, lean backwards, to the left, to the right. And that would wake us up a little bit. If you feel the need to do that, go ahead and uh, bob and weave, whatever you need to do. Jumping jacks in the back. I'm comfortable with this. I tell my students all the time, if you fall asleep while I'm teaching, get in the back and do jumping jacks and come sit down, do some push-ups, whatever you need to do. So here's Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Studying the Bible with these disciples. They don't have this book like you and I have it. It's not as easy as it is for them. Jesus begins at Moses. He begins where they know. And he explains scripture to them about what? About himself. How many topics did Jesus study with those disciples on the road to Emmaus? One topic. I have people come to our evangelistic meetings. And on night three, it has never, ever failed. Night three, somebody will come up to me and they will say, Pastor Scott, I have learned more in the last three nights in these meetings than I have all my life in church. And I say, praise the Lord. Isn't God's word neat and fun to understand? They say, oh, this is the best thing. And I say, praise God, just keep coming. It gets better. And it does. So Jesus is studying with these disciples. He studies one topic with those disciples, and the topic is himself. Now, these disciples begin to react in a way that may not be familiar for many of us. These disciples actually get excited about studying the Bible. Did you hear what I said? These disciples actually get excited about studying the Bible. So here we are. We're still in Luke 24, verse 27. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto a certain village, unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone on further. So Jesus made, Jesus, can we use the word pretend? Is that all right? He made as though he would. He pretended that he was going to go further, probably to see what their response was going to be. And they constrained him. They said, no, no, no. 
you stay with us. Why? Why would they say to this complete and total stranger, you stay with us? Okay, maybe it was the hospitality that they were always taught when they were growing up. Their mother said, you've got to take care of people. You've got to feed people. Maybe they were just like Abraham. He saw those three men uh, under the palms of Mamre. And he said, hey, I've got to feed them. So he kills the fatted calf. Maybe this is just tradition. I think it was a different reason, though. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 29, but they constrained him saying, abide with us, for it is towards evening. So when Jesus is walking with those disciples, what is it, daylight or nighttime? It's daytime. And then they get there, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. The day is almost over. And he went in to tarry with them. Verse 30, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. That means he sat down to eat with them, right? He took bread and blessed and break and gave to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Now I want you to understand this. Jesus just has a Bible study with these guys. And they are absolutely, totally, no holes barred, blown away by this Bible study. And I'll show you that in just a second. And the moment that they recognize that it's Jesus, he's gone. I believe that when you and I study the Bible, that Jesus will give us glimpses of himself. Because you and I cannot handle seeing him all at once. Now listen to this. Their eyes were open, verse 31, and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the way and while he opened to us the scripture? My friends, how did Jesus study the Bible with those two men? What was his method of studying the Bible? He went from book to book to book in Scripture. And he pulled out the verses and the passages that applied to himself. And while they study the Bible with Jesus like that, their hearts begin to burn within themselves. My friends, this was not heartburn due to being hungry. Yes, they were hungry. But this was an excitement that they felt when Jesus began to study the Bible with them. How long has it been since you studied the Bible and you actually were excited about what you were reading? How long has that been? Don't you long for those mornings where you get up and you're like, okay, I'm really going to find something interesting in the Bible today. And you don't find anything. Am I, the, am I alone in this? Do you experience this? One day, my, one of my kids came to me, and they said, it was a Sabbath morning, and they said, I am tired of going to church. I said, well, tired or not, we're going to church. It's Sabbath. They said, I don't want to go. I don't ever get anything out of studying the Bible. I don't think anything is significant about this day. By the way, if you are a pastor's kid, you, got, you go through things that most people don't. And so I want you to know, I pray for pastor's kids. So if you're pastor's kids, I just know I pray for you. I pray for PKs. I got five PKs. One of my sons, well, never mind. One of the people that are close to me in my life said to me, I can be bad. I'm a PK. I said, boy, I'm going to smack you. But anyway. So I'm in the office. Thank you. I got great kids. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you. I've got incredible kids. They all love Jesus. Anyway. So one of my children are in the office with me Sabbath morning. I'm having my time with God. I don't want to go to church. Uh, it's not interesting to me anymore. I'm just not into it anymore. Please don't make me go. I said, look, man, we go to church on Saturday. Until you, like, grow up and you're paying your own bills, we're going to church on Sabbath, Okay. I don't care if you're 25 and you're living in my house, we're going to church on Sabbath or your stuff's going to be on the street, you understand? So I handed him a Bible and I said, take this Bible. He said, oh, great. I said, yeah, oh, great. And I got another Bible off my shelf. You know, y'all all do the same thing. I mean, you could hand your kids your Bible and you could never miss it because you've got five more on the shelf, right? Those of you that I see some people in here have some gray hair and some have uh, dyed hair that was gray and some just, anyway, so 
I get another Bible off the shelf, and I start going back and forth. Scripture. He reads, I read. He reads, I read. He reads, I read. He reads, I read. For about the next 40 minutes, my time with God is absorbed with my time with God and my son. And when we finished that Bible study, my son said to me, Now, if Sabbath school was like this, I'd want to be there. Huh? I mean, this is a kid that didn't even want to go to church anymore. If my Sabbath school was like this, I'd want to be there. This is, this is where it's at, my friends. If you want to do a puppet show, do a puppet show. I don't care if you do a puppet show. I really don't. But if you're going to do a puppet show, it's got to be based on the Word of God. Because otherwise, it's not going to stick. It won't stick. By the way, I've never done a puppet show. Okay? I don't think it's absolutely necessary. But anyway, these disciples get excited when Jesus studies the Bible with them. And I believe that we can study the Bible in a way that where we get excited just like Jesus. These disciples got excited with Jesus. How many of you believe that? Okay, I'm going to prove to you today beyond any shadow of a doubt that you will get excited when you study the Bible like Jesus did. And we are going to take a topic that you have studied many, many times. We're just going to take the topic of the second coming and you're going to get excited about it. Not because I said you were and I'm an intimidating person and I will beat you up if you don't get excited, but because it happens when you study the Bible the way that Jesus studied the Bible. But before we do that, we're going to see that Jesus did this two times. Jesus didn't just study the Bible like in a topic once. This was his method. Okay, you're in Luke 24. On the screen, if you're taking notes, look at verse 32. We read that already. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You see, I say that for myself as much as for you. Luke 24, 44 to 45. The Bible says in Luke 24, 44. By the way, oh man, this is cool. Um, Look at verse 42. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Did Jesus eat fish, fish after his resurrection? Did you know I used that as my excuse for eating fish for many, many years until somebody showed me in the Old Testament a verse that would explain to me why the testimony of Jesus would say at the end of time, animal food won't be fit for human consumption? And my argument always was that Jesus ate meat after his resurrection, so why can't I? And I don't know if anybody in here has that same reason, but I'll tell you, if you come to life, I will show you the verse in the Old Testament. <laughs> I got to hear this. I love that. I'm from Alabama. It's a great accent. I'll tell you, at the end of session three. Okay? All right. You got to remind me, though, because I'm quite forgetful. Now, see, I want you to understand this. Everybody understand this. I just said I could show you something from Scripture that you have never seen before, and every last one of you are excited about hearing it. Is that true? Okay, I proved the point once. I'm going to prove it again. That when you study the Bible like Jesus studied the Bible, you are excited about Bible study. There's no reason that you and I have to be... Uh, lazy and disinterested in Scripture. My friends, we have the most phenomenal truth of any church on the face of this planet. And it all revolves around Jesus. I just need you to come to life because there's so much I want to share with you and three hours is just not enough time to share it. Verse 44. He's eaten this fish. He's eaten this honey. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written where? In the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Those were the three main, those were the three divisions of Hebrew Scripture. The law of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets. Those were the divisions so Jesus, when he's with all of the disciples there in the, uh, I don't know if it's in the upper room or anyway, they're in a room. He goes and sees them. Jesus appears to the ten. Well, I guess one was missing. Ah. Anyway, Jesus appears to them. And Jesus goes through the law of Moses. He goes to the prophets. And he goes to the Psalms. 
explaining to them the things concerning himself. Two times now, you and I have seen Jesus study the Bible with his disciples. Jesus, you don't see Jesus really doing this with other people because when Jesus is speaking to other people, he spoke to them how? Parables. Spoke to them in parables. But when Jesus is alone with his disciples, he gets down to the bare bones, nitty gritty. This is the way we need to understand scripture. And he studies the Bible with them in topics. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. If you and I want to understand the scriptures like Jesus did, you will study the Bible in topics, not so that you can have information, but so that you can understand what God wants you to know about the truth. Now, where did Jesus learn to study the Bible like this? I can almost guarantee you somebody's going to answer one way. So I'm just going to let you start answering. You see if, if I'm going to be right about this. How did Jesus learn to study the Bible like this? You can answer. Oh, sister, you are right on track with everybody that I do this with. They always say his mother taught him. And is that true? Yes. Jesus sat at his mother's knee and learned scripture. Mothers have a, the most important job of anyone on the face of this planet. Some of us have parents have blown it. Some of us were the best parents in the world. And no matter what kind of parent we were, we've got the best kids there ever were. Know what I'm saying? We love our kids. So, well, what did I just say? Oh, yeah, he learned from his mother. Where else did he learn it? His heavenly father, that's another, last, another uh, reason or um, way people say that he learned it. And somebody else said what? Nature, yes, that's another way that people say that he learned it. Do you think that Jesus spent any time studying the scriptures? You think he spent any time doing that? My friends, he had to in order to explain to the disciples on the road to Emmaus the things concerning himself out of the books of Moses and the Psalms. He had to know what was in the scriptures and to have studied the scriptures in order to be able to go to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Yes, sir. Okay, so he quoted Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Man, so he had the right education, right? Turn with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to share with you, with you something that you already know, but maybe you just didn't look at it this way. I think that, that in order to stay excited about Scripture, you have to look at Scripture different than you've looked at Scripture before. Not doubting that it is God's Word, but actually asking God questions about His Word. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Now I'm going to hop up here in order to illustrate this, this uh, what we're going to pull out here. First uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Of which... Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. So my friends, remind me. In the Old Testament, who was it that wrote down the prophecies? That group of people are known as prophets. i got to ask the question right to, get, right to get the right answer, right? So here are the prophets searching their own writings about the grace that was prophesied that would come to them. Do you understand the concept? So you have prophets in the Old Testament. Those prophets in the Old Testament write about the grace that is going to come, right? Now, who is the grace that is going to come? Okay, John chapter 1 verse 14, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt, let me get over here in the New Testament, John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, power and wisdom is what you find in 1 Corinthians 1 24, Jesus was full of power and wisdom, grace and truth, so you see grace there, you see truth there, so over here in the Old Testament, the prophets are prophesying of the grace that is going to come, they are prophesying about Jesus and they search their own writings, verse 11, searching what or what manner of time 
the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. When it, the Spirit of Christ, testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So here you have the Spirit of Christ is in all of those Old Testament prophets and they are prophesying of the Jesus that is to come. Is this true? Yes or no? Okay, I'm just trying to get some interaction. I don't like to be so blunt with the yes or no thing, but these prophets prophesy of Jesus that is to come. These prophets are searching their own writings and the Bible says that it was the Spirit of Christ in the prophets prophesying about Christ. So understand this. This collection of books called the Bible is a collection of books that were inspired by the Spirit of Christ. Do you see this? Is this making sense to you? So in order to understand what the Spirit of Christ said about the topic of Jesus and his death, you would need to search all of those books and you would need to pull out of all of those books the things that talk about Jesus' death. Then you would have a clear understanding of what the prophets, or rather, what Christ was teaching. Does this make sense? Does it make sense? So this is why Jesus would study the Bible that way, because, hey, he was Jesus. He was a word made flesh. Didn't he inspire the prophets? Yes, but as Jesus was growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, Jesus came across this verse. Turn with me to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's to the right of the book of Psalms. It is to the left of the book of Daniel. Isaiah 28, verse 9 and 10. Isaiah 28, verse 9 and 10. Is that what we've got up there? Isaiah 28, verses 9 and 10. The question is asked in Isaiah 28, verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? What's the question? Not rocket science. What's the question? To, thank you. Thank you very much. What, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make understand doctrine? So two questions are asked. Who is he going to teach? Who is he going to cause to understand doctrine? And who is he going to give wisdom to? Does this make sense? Those are two questions. Very easy. Then it says, very interesting, it says... Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. It just means mature individuals. Verse 10 gives us Jesus' method. This is how Jesus knew that he needed to study the Bible one topic at a time. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Sometimes you hear Seventh-day Adventist evangelists going through the Bible like a ping-pong ball on an Olympic ping-pong table. Verse after verse, place after place, scripture after scripture, all of it dealing with the same topic. And people just look at wide-eyed and you're sitting there, you've been a Seventh-day Adventist all your life, so you're sitting here like this. I know that. I knew that too. I knew that one. Oh, that's new. Oh, there's one I know again. That's what we do. People that haven't heard that truth before are like this. Get out of my way. This is, this is the most radical thing I've ever understood in my whole life. Do you realize that this is this came straight from the Bible? This is what people do when they have never heard Scripture taught as Jesus taught it. They go absolutely bonkers over it. I mean, they just get crazy about it. So crazy, as a matter of fact that they will go and they are so sure you are going to teach the truth on the Antichrist, they'll go to all their family members and say, you've got to come to this evangelism meeting this night. 
Or you've got to come to my small group this night because we've been talking about the Antichrist and everything else they shared with me came from the Bible. You have got to come to this little group that we have over here at this church or this little group that we have in that house or this Bible study we have at work in the morning at 6.30 before everybody else gets there. You've got to come to this. This is what happens when you study the Bible with people the way that Jesus studied the Bible. But I'm going to tell you something, saints. If you study the Bible with someone like this, Okay, now we're going to study the topic of what happens when you die. And so I'd like everyone to open your Bibles. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Let's have a word of prayer because that's what we always do. And uh, the Bible says that uh, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living soul. That word soul is nephesh. It means breathing creature. Man became a living, breathing creature. Does that make sense? And I'll say, yeah, that, that made sense. And you say, okay, now let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. When a man dies, he is going to go back to dust. And so what happens to his body when he dies? No. No. My friends, you and I are going to study. When I give Bible studies in people's houses, I almost have to make sure there's no breakable things around. Seriously. I'm sitting on a couch. I start squatting down in front of the couch. I start moving the cups around on the, the coffee table so that we can start delineating things. I'm excited about it. If you are excited about what you are sharing with somebody else, they will be excited about it. Period. Whether it's true or not. Look at Benny Hinn's church, huh? Everybody excited about what that man's saying. Or whoever took over for him if he's not there anymore. And it's full. You and I have the truth. Be excited when you share scriptures. Is this un are we understood? I mean, otherwise, don't say Scott Moore trained me, okay? Don't, say, don't even say you came to this class. Don't tell anybody. Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. What's a precept? Okay, guys, when I was uh, a freshman at Southern, I still had two huge 10-inch uh, subwoofer, kicker 10s, ohm down to 2 ohms, pushed with a punch 45. I can't hear low tones. So please, our question was, what was our question? What is a precept? Good to see you, Daniel. What is it? Instruction. So instruction must be upon instruction. All right. This is somebody else. Add to this. Truth, okay, truth must be upon truth. Principle, I like where we're going with this. Instruction, truth, principle. A precept, being upon a precept, means that you are sticking with the same theme all the way through your study. You're going to get a line from it over here. You're going to get a line from it over there. For instance, Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 27 says that God will not yet make a full end of the earth. That's Jeremiah chapter 4, 23 through 27 talks about the destruction of this earth at the second coming of Jesus. The cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord. And then it says, yet God will not make a full end. So you say to yourself, okay, where in the world does God make a full end? And you get to the book of the Revelation and you're in chapter 20 and fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours the wicked. Never mind that you were in first or second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 through, what is it, 13 or 14. You see that God is going to make this new heaven and this new earth. And some of you right now are smiling. Don't get excited about studying the scripture in my class. It's natural when you study the Bible, the way Jesus studied the Bible, that you will get excited about it. So you can get excited. If you want to throw up two hands, throw up two hands. The Bible says lifting, lifting holy hands, right? You're more than welcome to do that now. Some of you may think I'm crazy, but that's all right. Hey, listen, that's a two-hander right there. You and I are now going to look at the topic of the second coming. I guaranteed you that I would give you the opportunity to get excited about studying Scripture. And we're going to find out some things that you knew already and you're still going to be excited about them. You just have to be. Because when you study the Bible the way Jesus studied the Bible, you get excited, period. I get, to, I get the privilege of going to youth camps, youth, uh, youth weekends, revival meetings, 
uh, weeks of prayer. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night I go to another place and do a week of prayer. And people just say, they say to me, Scott, why don't we study the Bible like this in my church? And my friends, I don't know. I don't know. When I was pastoring up in Michigan, ooh, I've hit that thing two times now, and that time it hurt. Yeah, I know, poor me. When I was up in Michigan conference, my sermonic calendar year, that's a big word that says you actually plan what you're going to preach. How many weeks are there in a year? 52 Sabbaths typically in a year. Maybe 53 depending on, you know, or I don't know if there's less than 52, but anyway. Maybe you have 53. Don't know. No, there's 52 in there. <laughs> I mean, it's facts are facts. I better not change that. You'll think I'm crazy. How many doctrines do we have in our fundamental beliefs book? There's 28 now. 28 in the, in the newest one. They, they, they moved, number, uh, moved a little gap in between 10 and, and 11 and put 10.5, which moved, rounded up, became an 11, 11 became 12. It's called growth in Christ. Growth in Christ. So we have 28. If I take those 28 and I preach on them one time all the way through the 28, I can almost make it through another 28 times. Is that true? Almost. Almost. If I combine maybe the triune nature of the Godhead, I can get through those doctrines two times a year. Is that true? I preached a sermon once called Languishing Your Limited Length of Longevity. Languishing Your Limited Length of Longevity. And it was about stewardship. The next time I preached about stewardship... There was one temptation in the Garden of Eden that affected all of humanity the exact same way. There's one temptation in all of humanity right now that affects us the exact same way, and that's tithing. You make one dollar, you pay a dime. I make two dollars, I pay two dimes. It affects all of humanity the same way. You have ten chickens? If you have five chickens, you give half of one, I guess. Or you use the other half of offerings so your pastor can eat a whole chicken. I don't know. But... That's all I taught every year. Two times I went through the doctrines. We had a church every Sabbath, I kid you not. We had 25 to 30 non-Adventists at our church every Sabbath. Because our church members said, hey, we can bring people to this service. We can bring them there. Interesting. Bible truth is captivating. Many of you were not here. I told the group that was here the first, uh, when we first started class, you were here, Dennis, and uh, Camden, Can Candon, got it. You weren't. No, we're glad you're here. So, my wife cooks for life. That's what she does. The school, for life. She doesn't cook to live. She cooks for our school. She goes shopping at Sam's. Almost every three or four days, she goes to Sam's, get fresh produce, because you can't buy Sam, you can't buy, buy produce from Sam's and expect it to last a long time. You got to buy it right before you need it, you understand. So, yeah, you're all shaking your heads. I know what Sam's produce is like. So, she's in there one day, and there's a lady named Tierra there. Tierra Ray is her name. Tierra Ray uh, asks Melanie, well, what is life about? She says, Lay Institute for Evangelism. She said, well, what is Lay Institute for Evangelism? It's a four-month evangelism college. She said, oh, I've always wanted to go to a Bible college. My wife says, well, how about we start some Bible studies? She said, okay, I'd love to study the Bible with you. Last Sabbath, I baptized Tierra Ray because somebody dared to open their mouth in a Sam's Club. Liz with two Zs. Tierra's friend from Sam's came to our faith and food seminar one night this week. Absolutely loved the food. Absolutely loved the lecture on nutrition. Absolutely loved the Bible study. I have no doubt in my mind that it's only a mere 12 to 18 months away and I'll get to baptize Liz as well. It's going to happen. 
because that's how powerful the Word of God is. So right now, we're going to study the second coming. We're going to take our last 15 minutes, and we're just going to study the second coming. And if don't smile. Do not smile and do not enjoy it unless you're actually happy and actually enjoying it. I will try not to do anything funny or entertaining to get your attention so that you will smile. We will just do our best to stick with the Word of God. Does this make sense? Okay, we're going to read John chapter 14, or maybe we're just going to quote it. Verses 1, 2, 3. What does Jesus say in John? What's his promise in John chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3? Remember, the reason that we are doing this is to prove the simple fact that when you study the Bible like Jesus studied it, you get excited. Oops, I shouldn't have moved. The Bible says in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, it's, I've always wondered, and maybe you haven't ever wondered this, but I wonder, if the mansions are already there, what is he preparing? You ever ask yourself that question? The Bible said, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If the mansion's already there, what's he preparing? Oh, it's going to be fun getting there and finding out, isn't it? It's going to be fun getting there and finding out. He's putting our names on the mansions. Come on, sister. Verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. What does Jesus promise? What's your name, dear sister? Marsha, I'm going to tell you. I love it when people worship, when the Word of God is studied. I love worship. Okay, so Jesus promises, I will come again. So what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take, um, I'm going to take this shirt. Has anybody, does anybody wear small? Anybody wear small? Yeah? Somebody wear small? Okay, so I just want to make sure. Anybody else wear small? I saw two people. Anybody else wear small? I need three. Okay, anybody else wear small? Okay, there's four. Anybody else wear small? Okay, perfect. This is going to work good. After I get finished with this illustration, you can come up here and pick up your t-shirt. Jesus gives us a fact in John chapter 14, verse 1, 2, and 3. There's the fact. The fact is that he is going to come back. What's the fact? Okay, Jesus is going to come back. That's all we needed from John chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. Jesus is what? Jesus is going to come back. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. What is that going to be like? When Jesus comes back, what is that going to be like? Now, I've got a couple of more facts. Amazing facts. Doug Batchelor is here, so this is cool. So we are going to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through to 11, right? Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through to 11. Now... I will do my best to stop acting excited. But if you give a Bible study and you are just ho-hum, that's the way people are going to understand it. But if you are excited about it, they will be excited about it. Everybody do this with me. If you act enthusiastic, do that. Say that. If you act enthusiastic, you will be enthusiastic. Okay, I need full participation. This could go on for a long time if we don't... If you act enthusiastic... Come on, brother, help me out. You will be enthusiastic. One more time. If you act enthusiastic... Look at y'all. Y'all starting to get enthusiastic. Don't do this to me. It's Sabbath afternoon. You're supposed to be sleeping. Uh, you're supposed to feel guilty that you're not knocking on a door. One of those common things are supposed to happen on a Sabbath afternoon. By the way, my friends, I knock on doors but it is not the most comfortable thing that I do in my life. I sit on people beside the airplane and I talk to people about Jesus, but that is not the most comfortable thing that I do in my life. The most comfortable way that I have witnessing right now is once a month on Sunday mornings, I go to the, Nash, to the Florida Cutting Horse Association meetings that's five minutes away from my house and I preach to the cowboys on the horse and the cowboys in the stands and their wives and their children on a Sunday morning. Love it. Love it. It beats knocking on a door any day. So I think you need to find a Florida Cutting Horse Association to go preach to. That's what I think you need to do. All right, so here we are. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things, Jesus is talking. Is everything going to be all right there? Okay. And when he had spoken these things... While they beheld, what are they doing? They are, be, they are looking. While they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their what? Out of their sight. And behold, two men, no, 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, verse 10, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. How many of you have ever heard that those two men that stood by them in white apparel were angels? Can you prove that to me from the Bible? You will after today. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go out of here with some ammunition. That's a smile. I see a smile on your face for the first time. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So fact number one was what? Jesus is coming back. What is a fact number two that we can get out of this? Okay, he's coming back the same way he went up. How'd he go up? What's your name? Okay, Sally with a Y. How did he go up? No, he didn't, Sally. What did it say? Anybody, you want them to help you? No? Okay, don't take Sally's. Somebody else give me a different fact, but don't take Sally's. Okay, she's got it. When Jesus went to heaven, they, he went in a what? In a cloud. Now there's another fact in there that we need to find. What is the other fact? But you haven't proven that to me yet. But you, have you, can you prove it to me? I am, a, I am a believer, but I don't think that you really can show me that in the Bible. Right now your interest is peaked. How long have you been a Seventh-day Adventist? So about 15 years? Okay. All right. So check this out. Since she was about eight, she's 23 now, for the last 15 years, she's been a Seventh-day Adventist. And right now, look at her face. Is she excited about what we are studying? Okay, fact number one was... Jesus is coming back. Thank you. Okay. Who said that? Okay. You be coming back. You be fact number one for me. Okay. What was the second one? Sally with a what? Okay. He was taken up and a cloud received him. So you be the cloud for me. Are you ready? You're cloud. And what is another fact in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through to 11? Thank you. They saw him leave. Now those two men that stood by them in white apparel said, Jesus is going to come back the same way he went. Could they see him when he went? Will they be able to see him when he comes back? Did he leave in a cloud? Will he come back in a cloud? With those what? Come on. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Where's my little clicker? It disappeared. My clicker somewhere. Here it is. Found it. Go with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says what? Somebody read it for me nice and loud. Don't hold anything back. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says... So... In another place in Scripture, the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to come back in a cloud and every what? I shall what? Shall see him. Now my friends, the Bible said Jesus is going to leave in a cloud. Said Jesus left in a cloud. They saw him. Then it says when he comes back, he's going to come back in a cloud. And his promise was what? In John 14, 1 through 3. What's our fact number one? That he's coming back. What, pray tell, are the clouds? Prove it. I'm going to tell you, saints, this works in the King James Version. I'm not a King James Versionite. You may be, and this will sit well with you. If you're an English Standard Versionite, I'm fine with that. If you're a New International Versionite, I'm fine with that. You can talk to me about Bible versions later if you want to. That's not the topic of this study. My, my, my thought on that topic, though, is that if you can't understand it, you're not going to read it. Okay, what is your name, my brother? Samuel. Samuel. is the same thing it was a minute ago. You're going to read for me Psalm 68. So what are you going to read to me? 
Hebrews 12.1 says... Okay, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Okay, and then that cloud of witnesses, they're described in Hebrews. You get to Hebrews chapter 11. Check this out. What are the clouds? They're witnesses. I'm good with that. Thank you, Samuel. What are the clouds? I need two people. Who's got Psalm 68, 17? Okay, read for me loudly. This is, you, have to be new, you have to be King James Version for this to work. But read Psalm 68, 17 for me. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The chariots of God are, the chariots of God equal angels. Is that a biblical thing to say? That the chariots of God equal angels. Is that? Okay. Now, who's going to read to me Psalm 104? In the back there, I've got Psalm 104.3. I'm, I'm going to spread the participation around. Okay, sister? You'll let me do that. Yes, sir. Who makes the clouds his what? Chariot. So check out this algebraic equation. I'm just going to push all of this down a little bit. So I've got chariot there. I've got angel over there. Those are equal to each other. And the Bible just said that clouds are what? Chariots. Since clouds equal chariots and chariots equal angels, you and I can take the chariots out of this... Whoa, horse, come on back. We can take this chariot out of the equation. We can push the, uh, the uh, cloud over here and we can push the angel over here and we can say that clouds equal angels. So when Jesus was taken up, Jesus was taken up in a cloud full of what? Angels. Those two men that stood by them in white apparel came out of that cloud. So what were those two men in white apparel? I just saw Dennis laugh. Dennis just turned on one of those aha light bulbs. This is what happens when you study the Bible with people using Jesus' method. Now let me ask you, how many angels is Jesus coming back with? All right now, sister, how many does that equal up to? How about capital A, capital L, capital L? All. Look with me at Matthew 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31, who's got that? Matthew 25, 31, somebody's there. First one reads it. If it's me, I'm going to read it. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all of the holy angels with Him. Now you just remind me. Be careful how you answer. How many angels came down and moved the stone? Careful how you answer. I'm not asking how many angels were in the tomb. I'm asking how many angels moved the stone from in front of the tomb. What was that, Katie? One. There were two inside, Sally. There were two inside, one at the head, one at the feet of where Jesus had lain, right? But only one angel comes down and moves that stone. Now, what happened to all the Roman guard when that one angel came down to move that stone? What happened? What, say that again. I hear, I see hand motions. They fell over as dead men. Now, I just want you to imagine this. Was there an earthquake at that point? Yes, there was an earthquake at that point. Were people afraid at that point? Yes, people were afraid at that point. The Bible says that one angel comes down and moves that stone, an entire Roman guard poof, falls down like dead men. Now, I want you to imagine all of the angels coming from glory land with Jesus. And I want you to imagine them traveling faster than the speed of light. 
Now maybe we have a clue as to why there will be a little dark cloud about the size of a man's hand in the east that grows brighter and brighter as it gets closer to us. Come on, you're right. Where's that in the Bible? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. When Jesus comes back, he comes back with all the holy angels. Now I want you just to imagine that little dark cloud comes out of the east. Let's see, that's north, that's south. My, my daughter's doing this stuff right now, this is east. That little black cloud, or dark cloud, comes out of the east. And we know that that is the sign of the Son of Man coming. Why is it dark? I always ask myself, why is that cloud dark? Because they're traveling faster than the speed of light, my friends. And when all of that energy, when those brakes get put on, and he comes through Earth's atmosphere, what's going to happen to the sky? It's going to roll back like a scroll. What's going to happen to the mountains? They're going to fall down. What's going to happen to the islands? They're going to disappear. If you live on an island, don't be afraid. Jesus, will keep his, Jesus can make people walk on water. So this is what we've learned so far. Jesus promised to come back, right? Jesus left in a cloud. That cloud is made of angels. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back in a cloud of what? And every eye will be able to... We're going to do something very fun right now. I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. I always forget where I lay my Bible. Revelation chapter 4. Here it is. Revelation chapter 4. And this, oh yes, all of us are going to read this together. Now this is just a fun little exercise. When I give Bible studies, I do this the same way I'm about to do it with you. And people actually participate. So please be as kind to me as they are when I sit down with them and study Bible study with them. Revelation chapter 4 and just help me by participating. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, this is describing the throne room in heaven where God the Father is sitting on a throne. That's what you see in Revelation chapter 4. It says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying... And so what we are going to do is we are going to say what those four living beings or those four living creatures are saying. So read along with me. Holy, 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 not enough energy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now I want you to do it again. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Can you put a little more energy into it? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. This is what they say day and night all the time. What do they say? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Only one more time. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Revelation 8, 1 says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Why is it quiet in heaven? For half an hour. Where'd all the angels go? Where's God the Father? I said, where's God the Father? At the second coming, where's God the Father? I, where? What did you say? You're absolutely right. He's coming too. All throughout Scripture, you see Jesus ascend to the right hand of the throne of God, to the right hand of the throne of God, to the right hand of the throne of God. In Matthew, I believe it is 26. Let's go there. Matthew 26. This is not on your screen, by the way. So if you're taking notes, you may need to add this one. Matthew 26, I see some people looking at me like I'm weird, like maybe that really isn't going to happen. Matthew 26, verse 64. Don't forget, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, to the right hand of the throne of the Father, to the right hand of the throne. He sits on the right hand of the Father. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 63, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of what? Power and coming 
in the clouds of heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and every angel are coming down here to get you and I off of this planet. It's very exciting. Matthew 26, 64. There's silence in heaven because God is coming to get us. Now, I don't know how much that excites you, but that just makes me just want to get up and shout in this gymnasium. I'm not one for shouting in church, you understand, but I'll shout in here for sure. I, I just, I don't get it, y'all. I don't know why you're smiling. I don't know why you seem happy. When you study the Bible the way Jesus studied the Bible, you get excited. Doesn't matter what topic you're studying. Doesn't matter. Had a lady this past week come to me at, at the end of one of our faith and food evenings, and she said, her name is Betty. Praise God, Betty is coming to this faith and food seminar because one of our church members picks Betty up, and they're good friends. And so Betty's coming with a church member. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. And Betty said to me after the meeting, she said, Now, Scott, I, I was always raised that when you died, you went to heaven. I said, yes, ma'am, I understand that that's what, that's what a lot of people teach. But what did we learn from the Bible tonight? She said, well, we learned from the Bible tonight that even Jesus said, when you die, you go to sleep, and you don't know anything until you wake up at the second coming. I said, so do we want to believe what Jesus taught, or do we want to believe what other people teach? She said, oh, I want to believe what Jesus taught. I said, well... So what happens when we die? She said, you just go to sleep and you wait for the second coming of Jesus. This lady was excited that she knew what was going to happen. She, for years, she has taken comfort in the fact that her husband is with his mother in heaven. And now she just can't, she's just so excited that he's not there without her. I don't know if that's selfish excitement, but she's excited. The point of this, my friends, is that Jesus' method of studying scriptures to study the Bible one topic at a time. That is the way that God intended for us to understand the amazing facts of scripture. To put them in a pile and say, okay, I see here, Jesus promised to, to come again. And when Jesus comes again, Sally, he's coming in the clouds and every eye Grabner every eye will see him and he's coming back in the clouds and dear sister those clouds are made of angels and as I'm going through this all of y'all just start smiling how many of you didn't know that Jesus was coming back you knew that already how many of you didn't know that Jesus was coming back with all the angels you knew that already. How many of you didn't know that Jesus was coming back with God the Father as well? Oh. So my friends, listen, no matter how long we've studied Scripture, we can always learn something. Have you enjoyed this class? This is the way Bible study should go. All the time. I'm not saying that your own personal study is going to make you all excited all the time because the Bible says, and we're going to talk about this in our next class, we're going to talk about conviction. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, wrongdoing, of righteousness, rightdoing, and of judgment to come, the result of rightdoing, wrongdoing in our relationship with Jesus. We're going to talk about that in our next class. Studying the Bible is an amazing adventure. Every time I open the Bible, I just... I. I I'm just amazed at what I learn. And I'm always looking for things that I never knew before. That's what I'm always looking for. I'm doing this read-through overview of Scripture, just from Genesis as fast as I can read it, all the way through to the book of Revelation. I intend to be done by December the 11th of this year. I started about a month ago just reading. And, and we, we did the math. It would be 15 chapters a day from the time we started until the time that the life class graduates. And I'm just going through it. And I've got so many notes in my Bible right now, my, my digital Bible, because I can put notes in there real easy and nice and neat-like. 
and I'm reading it off of that in the English Standard Version. I'm just reading as fast as I can. When I come across something new, I put a note in it, and I just keep on going. And I look back on those notes later on during the day, and I'm just like, wow. This is what God said to me. Let's pray. Jesus, we are very excited about your word. And we know, Jesus, we know as your followers that we are to be sharing you with other people. Oh, Jesus, we know that knocking on doors can find Bible studies, but so can just going to Sam's and talking to someone. So can just going to our neighbor and saying, I've learned something new, may I share it with you. Give us the opportunity, we pray, Jesus, to share your word with someone else, whether they've always heard it or not. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.